are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. Yeah, I want to, I want to, when I grew up, I want to be a parkourist, whatever that is. I don't know the term. I don't either. If you refer to yourself as parkouring, oh, do you really have hobbies? Um, <laughs> I used to have a wood shop in my garage. Now it's full of work stuff. What do you used to make? Wood things. <laughs> <laughs> my dreams of parkour may not be realized in this lifetime. <laughs> oh Shoot! <laughs> Maybe in your dreams. Oh my gosh, Chris and I talk about that all the time. I said, can you imagine all the things that, you know, you've wanted to do in life? And no, you're not going to be able to do them Yeah, wait do you get older too. It's it's worse. Right. You start seeing the end yeah, closer than the fin- the start. Oh, it's Some terrible. of that stuff you probably could do it if you worked really hard, but you would have to train. But then you know yourself and you realize <laughs> Maybe with, everything, with everything on my plate, right. it's just not even possible. So Mm -hmm. it just has to go into the ether. But that was a part of our conversation. Can you imagine in eternity all things we want to do? Parkour, right? Sure. That is a game too. It's a board game. It is. It's like sorry or trouble. It never ends. Isn't it Parcheesy or something? Oh, you're right. It is. Oh, (laughs) I was like, I've never heard of it. It's Nightmare. It's like someone win, please. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever played Parcheesy. It's just like trouble or sorry. And at the end, you're just rooting for someone to win. Not even you. Like someone win. Oh, sorry is just so ridiculous. (gasps) I love sorry. Until it goes on forever. It never ends. I don't love eternal games. No. Like Monopoly. I'm done. Oh, gosh. We're done here. My dad flipped a table one time. Monopoly <laughs> <laughs> game. Flipped a table. It's Laughed over. wickedly. Ha 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 ha. I win. So officially know the game's done. <laughs> now we have a new game. Let's pick up all these little things. Yeah. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. Betty here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wasn't prepared. I was going to be. Gonna say, and I'm Kate. But then you did that. And I'm Kate. No, you're Wilma. Oh, oh Wilma. Stones. Hello, it's Beth here. It's Kate here. And we are shining the spotlight on Scott today. So welcome, Scott. Thank you. Hello. Glad to have you here. Nice to be here. Scott. Scott was born a Buckeye, raised as a hillbilly in West Virginia. <laughs> Were you really raised as a hillbilly? Not too much, but a little bit. Did yeah. you read hillbilly, the elegy? I do know where the elegy. holler is, and I... I, I didn't know. I know what's on the other side of the pawpaw patch. So, yeah, I know a little bit so, about stuff. Yeah. He's got hillbilly roots. He's been a state hopper, but he's been in Ohio in Columbiana for the last 10 years. He's a single dad to two teenagers. They're 14 and 13, and he is giving them credit for a few gray hairs that are popping out. He's an engineer by trade. He manages real estate property, and he's also been the pastor at Zion Hill Church in Columbiana for the last two years. He and his family have been a part of the Upper Room for over six years. So welcome, Scott. Thank you. Yeah. I also forgot to mention he wants to be a parkourist when he grows up. So if you don't know what that is, Google it. It's not a board game. It is not a board game. (laughs) So glad to have you here, Scott. Oh, nice to be here. So tell us, Scott, what or who turned your light on? Well, in a word, Jesus turned my light on. 
But how I, I came to know him is a really long story that I won't be able to tell all of, but I really want to share some of it. I grew up in a non-Christian home, living in the world, doing my own thing, kind of amoral. And I got involved in philosophy in high school and just really got into it and started thinking deep thoughts, questions about, you know, why are we here and what's the answer and those kind of things. And I came across a thought one day is that, is there truth? Truth with like a capital T. So that brought me through a journey of thinking about that. Over time, I came to kind of realize that if truth existed, I mean real truth, you know, truth that is beyond perception, truth that exists sort of existentially, that that would be the most valuable thing in the universe. And I thought, well, it's probably not there, first of all. And I said, even if it's there, it's probably not attainable. You could spend your whole life and probably you'll never find it. But I thought it's worth it to seek for this truth if it exists. And that's what I'm going to do with my life. So I was a young man, and I didn't tell anybody this. I just said, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, is seek to see if this truth is there, if it exists. A while later, quite a while later, a guy came on the construction site. I was working construction. He was really skilled, and I really liked him. He was showing us all the tricks of the trade that none of us guys knew, and we were all impressed with this guy. Super great worker, super great guy. Really liked him, and so he started telling me about Jesus one day, and normally what I would do if someone told me about Jesus, I'd just cuss them out, and that really works well. I mean, it's amazing how you can just <laughs> shut those Christians down with a few colorful uh, words. But I really liked this guy, and I didn't want to cuss him out, so I was like, oh, man, why... Why are you telling me this? You're, I said, like, <laughs> why you, you, ruin why you are you ruining? Cool. <laughs> you, a minute ago you were cool, and now you're like this. Come on. And he just stops. He looks straight at me, and he says, because I think you want to know the truth. That was the door. That was the only door that there was. That was the only entrance. But that entrance was a big one. And for the next several weeks, he and I, by hand, had to move several tons of sand from one spot to another with wheelbarrows because there was no way to get equipment in there. It was amazing. He would just talk and I would think of a question and while he was telling me about Jesus. And uh, I was like, oh, I wonder about this. And then he would just go cover it in the, in the, and he would go back to the thing. It was as if I just can tell you, it was super natural. I mean, I spent the next several weeks with this guy, and he was giving me a worldview so radical, so different. I was blown away. And a little more time went on, and he said, look, don't take my word for it. Read the New Testament. Now, I had tried to read the Bible before because I was, you know, into philosophy and stuff. And you read Genesis, ooh, that's cool, and Exodus, ooh, that's interesting. And then it goes on from there, you know. Oh, my goodness. And then you put it down because you can't read that stuff. <laughs> you can read that it. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's read well, yeah. You know, so-and-so begot so-and-so. You've got to be kidding me, you know. So I couldn't read the Bible. He said, read the New Testament and find out for yourself. So I did. I started in my room reading the New Testament, and I didn't make it very far. And this Jesus of the New Testament saved my soul. He came through his word, and I just there in my room, said yes, yes to Jesus. My life has never been the same. My dad said I'd be dead or in prison before mm -hmm. I hit 20. That's the kind of person I was. I was one dangerous dude because I was amoral and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't sort of take any crap from anybody kind of a guy. You know, Jesus uh, changed everything and he, he made a new heart and a new life in me and brought me to, down a path I, I could have never imagined. I mean, here I am sitting in a church on some Tuesday morning, you know, talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in prison, and I'm not selling drugs, and I'm not bleeding in the alley somewhere. 
And all of that's because Jesus loves people. You know, he, he came after me. I believe he gave me the idea for truth. And his promise is that if you seek, you will find. You know, if you knock, the door will be opened. And I didn't know that I was knocking on the door. I didn't know I was seeking, but I was. You know, he said that he is the way and the truth and the life. And I was seeking truth. And I was seeking him. I just didn't know his name. What did that process look for, look like for you from going from your former life to having this encounter with the Word and with Jesus? Did you change in an instant? Was it a slow transition? Was it a quick transition? What changed in you? Yes, it was both of those things. Some things were, were radically redeemed and radically transformed. And some things I'm still working on to this day. <laughs> Dang on it. <laughs> you know, when's it ever going to get better? Um yeah, it's amazing. I mean, miracles happened in my life. Amazing things happened. Transformation. I was radically saved. I mean, I would say my conversion in myself was like Paul's conversion. I was walking down one road, and all of a sudden, I was just walking a different road. I mean, I was I was radically saved, and I was instantly hungry for the Word. And I felt like the Lord just opened the Word to me, and I just was eating the New Testament and so much fellowship with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. How did that impact the people around you that were that you were close with? In various ways, I would say. At the time, I was playing in rock and roll bands, and I remember during this, this phase, we used to play several tunes. I noticed that there were songs that when we played in clubs had power. They had power over people. I could watch, you know, I'm, I'm playing the music, so I get, I'm up on stage. I can watch everybody sort of in the place. And we start playing these songs, and I watch things change. And I, I knew there was power. I just didn't understand which side, of, which team I was playing on. And my whole worldview shifted. We started a Christian rock band at that point, me and some other guys. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. I, the way I saw reality totally changed. And all I can tell people now is I was blind, but now I see. And that's that's the closest I can say it. You know, when I, my before Jesus time really is kind of like a dream to me now. It's hard for me to even remember that guy or remember that perspective. Mm -hmm. Just to tell you this though, before I knew Jesus, I was absolutely blind to reality. You know, when you're a Christian and when you are around Christian things, we sort of all have touch on this same reality. We all have kind of the same uh, world that we live in. Non-Christians are just not there, you know, as far as my story goes. And I think a lot of people, and that's why they look at us with such sometimes disdain or sometimes disbelief or sometimes, you know, mocking or whatever. It's because they just truly are blind. They cannot see this reality that encompasses not just this world, but all eternity. That was one of the comments that Kanye West made when he came to Jesus. He said, I don't know how else to explain it other than I was dead. And then one day I woke up and there's this whole new reality. Yeah. So do you feel like you became that construction worker then afterwards? You were the guy who was working maybe, uh, with people? <laughs> maybe I'm becoming yeah. that construction worker. Maybe that's my journey. I don't think I'm there yet. That was a very special uh, individual. He had he was a young man who had just came out of seminary. He was a very deep thinker. I mean, he was the guy I needed the specific talents and skills that man had to be the man on my path. He was the one I needed. Another guy probably would have struggled with my 
my hair or my attitude or my questions. This guy had it in aces. He knew how to deal with me. And I love your perspective that Jesus set you up with that question. Like Jesus set you up with a question for the truth. Because I think a lot of times we we feel like it was us yeah. who came across it. I you know had this wonder or this thought, but how Jesus plants that and paves that the whole way. I believe he opens the door for every person. I believe every person has opportunities. Even people that maybe don't have a lot of opportunities have opportunity somewhere, somehow. I think it's, as Christians, it's our glory to be able to participate in those opportunities sometimes for people. Yeah. To be part of that. It's really good. Tell us, Scott, what lights you up? Well, these days, uh, so I, I really think that everybody is on a spiritual journey. I think we're all in process. I, I haven't met too many people who would claim that they have arrived. You know, the scriptures say, if you claim to live in him, if you claim to abide in him, then you have to walk as Jesus walked. And what a high calling. What a, an amazingly, awesomely high calling it is. Mm-hmm. But because we haven't gotten there yet, we're all in process. And what I like to see in myself and the people around me is that we are taking steps. We are moving in a direction. I want to be with people who are excited with purpose to move. A lot of times in in whatever community you get in, and and it's true with us Christians as well, we spend a lot of time plateauing or we spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. patting each other on the back or kind of thinking... Going around the mountain. Yeah, going around the mountain. or or, And not that that, that's bad and we have culture and we have things, but Really, I think we, we do the best service to our, to our Lord and to our fellow man when we embrace pilgrimage, when we embrace journey, when we embrace... I haven't arrived yet, and there are divine appointments waiting. Do I feel the urgency? Do I feel the weight of the church sitting on my shoulders? I mean, how many more sermons do I have to hear before I do something about it, <laughs> right? How many more pages of the Bible do I have to read before I go out and speak something to someone? And so this this weight, this burden that I think all of us carry, to me, it excites me to see us move, to take that step of faith. Wherever we are in our journey, and some of us are more mature in one area and less mature in another, look, we have grace for each other, right? We're all, we're all in the family, right? We can all just say, look, we're, we're somewhere in this journey. And wherever we are, that's okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We need to be moving. God has great destiny for each person. The, the, the church is, is a living thing, and our, our, our call is to grow. The Father wants fruit on our lives. My desire for my life is to bear much fruit for the Father's glory and that we take as many people along with us on that ride as we possibly can, encouraging one another to also, you know, join that journey, bear much fruit. Let's go see if we can change the world. So that that kind of fires me up. And uh, being a pastor right now, I kind of see myself as that kind of pastor that's more of a coach and a cheerleader, wanting to encourage people to step into their destiny, step into the royal calling that is upon them to be awesome, to be glorious, to be eternally minded in the steps we make in, in normal life. 
I can talk a lot, can I? <laughs> I like it so much. I like it so much because your vision is so big. It's so broad. The thing that lights you up, yes, it is for individuals, but I love how you light up when you're talking about the whole church is the body that's moving forward with purpose and there's design to it. I just appreciate how you see a much bigger picture. So in your passion for people to be really running with Jesus and moving forward and finding out who they were meant to be and doing it, how are you letting your light shine in this season with that burden or that hunger in you to see people reach their destiny? Well, I'm a believer in big prayers. And I I think there's a handful of big prayers that people can or may not pray in their life. And I think the big prayers are these, just like Isaiah said, here my Lord send me, or like the Lord taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think they're prayers of surrender. They're prayers, you know, you can pray it with your mouth and your heart can be a thousand miles away. It it becomes a big prayer when it becomes who you are. You know, I, I find myself right now as a pastor of a church, I did not intend to be there. That's, that's you know, and if you knew me, I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of a huggy, you know, pastor, like Pastor Chuck, you know, no, forget it. I'm, I'm you know, he's like a million miles. You don't pass miles. Out, out lollipops? No, I'm not the lollipop service. pastor. No. <laughs> but here's the thing. What I find the Lord doing, I think this is true. I find the Lord using the willing and equipping them as necessary. I don't consider myself at all the most qualified person to be a pastor of a church, even within our little community, even within this church at the Upper Room Fellowship, I'm sure there are people more trained, more whatever, whatever you want to put behind more than I am. But I'm the guy that said, whatever you want, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, oh, I, don't, I can't pray that because what if he sends me to Russia or China or whatever? And I will just say this to those people. If honestly the Lord sent you there, that is would be the best place. You would find the most joy. You would find the most purpose. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would be awesome there. And you would think, thank God I came here. Because whenever we think we know best, between us and God, we're not right. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know best. And He does know best. And, and if we can get to those places of true surrender, where we say, God, truly, here I am. What, what do you want of my life? Then we just go with what happens. And for me, what happened right now is, uh, you know, I ended up being a fill-in pastor at Zion Hill, and I'm sort of there now permanently. But my idea of being there permanently is probably not the same thing that a lot of people might have an idea of me being there permanently. My idea is the same idea I would have if I weren't there, and that is that revival come to the church. And how do I participate in that? How do I, what's my part, Lord? What do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? What what am I doing in your kingdom? What do you have for me today? And today he has for me this, you know, and I'm trying to fan those flames in another little local body here to see if revival can come, if the church can wake up and take her rightful place. What does revival look like to you when you're crying out, praying for revival? Is it a big tent meeting? I wouldn't mind that. I think those have to be fun, right? A big tent. Wild time. Yeah, with some good music. What is revival? Revival is people being so in love with Jesus that they can't stand it. I remember I was just reading about the Welsh revival. A guy was saying, Lord, no more. If you give me any more, I'm going to die. Yes. I, I love that. Story. Yes. I love that story. Yeah, I can't take it anymore. And have you ever, I have to ask, you know, have you ever been at that place in worship where you're just like, okay, Lord, that's, that's enough. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I can't take it. And usually for me, it's when I'm alone. You know, and it's just in my quiet times, like, I can't handle any more presence. I can't take it. 
And yeah, I, I forget the question now. I just went off on that tangent. What does revival look like? Yeah, I think revival is that we we can hunger and thirst for his presence, that we can hunger and thirst for his will, that we can see his kingdom establishing on earth. I think Jesus didn't die for the squirrels. He didn't die for the trees. And those are beautiful and they're awesome, are the sunsets. He died for people and the apple of our Father's eye are the people that we rub shoulders with, that they would know, that they would come and be saved, that they could taste and see that the Lord is good. I think revival has to look at least a little like people coming in out of the cold, people coming home from a long journey, people being saved, knowing that there is an eternal place for them, safe from hell. I think the church in America for a long time, for maybe hundreds of years, I don't know, a long time, we have been coasting and we need to wake up. Well, there's so much more for us. There's so much better for us. And it doesn't take Billy Graham, you know, and I, I think sometimes we're waiting for Billy Graham. It just takes little old you and little old me to fall in love with Jesus and not take second best, not pick American dream over presence, not pick the comfort of uh, being casual over the possibility of stepping out in faith and seeing something eternal happen right before our eyes. I always think revival, it's that presence, but that when you're in that presence, you don't walk away from it and not be changed. Yeah. So that you are, it's not just an encounter and an experience, but it is something that's more tangible that changes culture, changes society. It impacts families. It changes the way you love your family. It changes the way you work and your creativity and you solve problems. It's not just something that happens in a room, and then you walk out and you're not changed. Yeah. You have to take it with you. Right. Yeah. I feel like it looks like a lot of heaven. You know, if heaven came down to earth, it's goodness. I mean, if, if we look at past revivals, people are so changed that cities are changed, yeah. that states are changed, that nations are changed. And all of those things begin to look like heaven, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, all right. of those things, they begin to permeate out of people, but they go into homes and towns. and I mean, it, it spreads all of those things. Yeah. And it begins to look like what God intended. It looks like heaven. It looks like yeah. Eden. <laughs> yeah, if you think about the coronavirus and what we're living in now, isn't it interesting that we all have a new culture? Mm. We wear these masks and we do these these behaviors and we, we've changed. And there was an external sort of force that came and visited us and we, we responded and we changed. And like you're saying, revival, uh, it's just like a person getting saved. You know, they had a before life and then they met Jesus and now there's something totally new. There is a change that we can expect. There is a change we can we can look for in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, and in our churches. Really, that's where that's where things things won't be the same. But how fun is it going to be if we can have a revival in church? Oh my gosh! You know, we know the purpose, right? We know it. It's in our head, man. If it shows up, people are getting saved and baptized and swinging from the chandeliers, shouting the name of Jesus, right? Then that's a whole new thing. So if you're driving by, if you're going to Route 11 and you see some tents up pop up, stop in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go see Scott. Yeah. I was listening to this woman speak yesterday. She's one of the worship leaders in Upper Room, Dallas, but she was speaking about faith. And it's just very simply the idea that to walk in faith or to see what we want to see, it will take risk. 
Yeah. You must be prepared to walk in risk. I think that that's something that we say, you know, I want to see revival or I want to see this. Yes and amen to revival. I just think that it's going to take a little risk on the part of his people to walk out and do some things we haven't done before, take some steps we haven't before, try new things. Not be afraid of a mess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not be afraid to put our foot in our mouths sometimes or or take a chance on stuff. I, I so agree with that. I think that you can start a fire with a very small match and you can start a very large fire with that little tiny match. I don't think revival is this thing that's impossible. You know, it's this faraway thing that we'll never achieve. It takes saints with one little step of faith. Speak the name of Jesus to somebody today. Lord, you know, a prayer. Lord, who can I speak the name of Jesus to today? A stranger or somebody I know? Is there a way for me to speak the name today? This powerful, awesome name we have. And then when opportunity seemingly presents itself or seemingly doesn't, you just say, Lord, here we go. And you take that step. It either goes well or it goes horribly. But, <laughs> but God can use that. It's amazing how the Lord honors faith. Yes. And we step out in faith and one little spark. And so many revivals, we talk about uh, revivals in history, so many revivals, it just was a spark. There was a hunger, there was a waiting, there was a praying, and then there was a spark. And that sort of started another little spark and another one. And then pretty soon there was a fire and then that fire kind of spread. And pretty soon it was, wow, it's a revival. That's a great challenge for all of us today is to say that prayer, Lord, who can I speak the name of Jesus to today? I love that. You guys know that song, I Just Want to Speak the Name of Jesus. Why don't you sing it for us? Oh, yeah, I'm good. <clears throat> Here it goes. <laughs> why are you laughing? Why, why is everybody laughing? I don't know what it is. Sing it. Uh, I can't sing it, but it goes, I just want to speak the name of Jesus to every heart and every something, Kate, something. sing it for I don't us. know the song. Oh, you don't know that song? song. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's pulling out his iPad. He's going to school us today. Yeah. I don't have any internet connection here, so I can't. You're safe from it today. But look, that song, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. We'll put that in the link. Yeah. I will. It's a great song. But yeah, uh, there's power in the name if we if we can speak the name. And people don't want to hear the name. Just like I didn't want to hear it. You know, oh man, why why are you saying this stuff to me? I said to, to my friend, because I think you want to know the truth. And the world stands at a place today where we are dying for truth, dying for it. And honestly, people don't know it when you hit them upside the head with it. They don't. It might be hard to say it, but better to take the chance and say it than to have them walk forever in the darkness. So Scott, is there anything else that you want to share with us today? Well, my dream of parkouring may not happen anytime soon. And now at this age. Have you practiced? <laughs> I don't want to admit that I have, but I sort of have. <laughs> uh, if I say yes, will you judge me? <laughs> yeah. No, have you ever seen the parkour people on TV? Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Yeah, they do all kinds of really cool, amazing stuff. Where are you practicing at? <laughs> In your you woods. Re you're, really, you're really trying to get me here, aren't you, Beth? You're out for me this morning. <laughs> I want to see it. I thought it was a board game. <laughs> What was that last question again? Is there anything else that you want to share with us today? Other than parkour. Other than parkour. I would just share this one encouraging thought, perhaps. God loves you so much that he sent his son. He's not going to withhold any good thing from you. And his desire for you is blessing upon blessing upon blessing forever. And his encouragement, I think, to us as we live on earth is to take a step of faith. Take another step in walking with him, fellowshipping with him, 
teaming up on his team to see what he is up to on the face of the earth. Yeah. That's fun. It's where all the good stuff Amen. is. It is. So good. All the fun stuff in life. That's where we're going to find it. We want everyone to join in on that fun. So thank you, Scott, for being with us today. Yes, thank you and so much. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in again. Make sure you check us out next week as well for another special guest. Bye. Bye.